Hello and welcome back to Fully Equipped. It is, uh, you know, we'll call it the the step-in host for today, Ryan Brath. And I am with, uh, you know, the one and only Gene Parente. Gene, how are we doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, kind of recovering from the U.S. Open week. And, um, you know, the sun's finally shining in San Diego. I know I bitch a lot about the weather here, but we had one of the worst Mays and Junes we saw the sun like two days in a month and a half, which is very rare. But now we're back to kind of sunny skies and uh, it's golf season. So all's well in the world. How about yourself? I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm back from L.A. I got to experience some of that that hazy. It's, fun, it's funny. Someone I was talking to someone who's a listener of the podcast and uh, he, was, he was one of the marshals actually at LACC. So I was walking by, he kind of looked over and you know, he's like, hey, I know. Hey, Brian, blah, blah, blah. So we, we started chatting. He goes, this is like the... Um, the June gloom and the May haze. I'm like, he, you guys got like a, a bad name for every month around here whenever it's not nice. So um, did get to experience that a bit. And we do, you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about from, from the U.S. Open, uh, especially because Wyndham Clark won. He's got some really unique clubs in the bag. And this week at Travelers, there are some pretty cool things that we, we've spotted so far this week, although we are not on the grounds. Uh, Jonathan, uh, one of our, our lovely co-hosts, is actually, uh, you know, we – we usually have to like, you know, work our way around Gene's schedule because he's on the West Coast. But you know, <laughs> J Dub's in Hawaii right now, so pre, he's pre, uh, he, prima donna. I am. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are. Uh, actually, we, you know, the thing is though, we don't work around your schedule. We work around the robot's schedule. I think <laughs> Fair that's, point. That's Fair the important point. thing here. We are working around uh, an uh, an object's schedule because it's, it's right. ability to hit golf balls that we can't. Uh, but before we get to anything else, you know, got to kick this off. Got to say a big thanks to. Uh, new sponsor here, uh, Lululemon, because they have a great collection of golf apparel that can take you from really, honestly, from the office, from traveling, from wherever you're going, right to the tee box. I know myself, I am a, I am aware of the ABC pant well before being, you know, taking care of us here on the podcast. Uh, I wear it and I travel a lot and it's, it's one of my favorite pairs of pants to wear when I'm traveling because it's super comfortable. And I can literally wear it right from the plane, right to the golf course. You'd never know that it was something that I was just just wearing on a plane for hours, sitting around, you know, watching movies or you know, maybe watching some golf or listening to some podcasts. And uh, they have a whole like array of golf clothes that I think a lot of people are going to like. They've got uh, a great uh, golf short. They've got a lot of great comfortable polos. Actually, I have a polo that's about six or seven years old from them that I, I do really like, and it's uh, still in great shape, which I think is a testament to the quality of their products as well. Uh, and you can find their entire golf collection at lululemon.com. So you can head over there, check it out. Uh, again, really, really comfortable clothing that I think you can you can really take anywhere. So uh, be sure to check them out. But uh, Gene, let's dive into something that I think is, let's talk about this US Open. What did you think as a whole? from from watching it on tv did you get a chance to go down there because i i mean i didn't see you you didn't text me that you were in the area no no because I, I i got back from spain on wednesday and uh after two weeks on the road it was it was a bridge too far even though it was just right up the road literally um i kind of wanted to experience it as a fan sitting on my couch and and getting over jet lag it um bit of a mixed bag uh i think i like the unique layout of the golf course um but i'm old school in the belief that even par one or two under wins a u.s open and um 
you know, after the first two days when you're 10 under, now granted, they did firm up the golf course. Um, it just, it, and the kind of imbalance between the front nine and the back nine. I mean, I loved, I was surprised. I loved the long par three and I loved the short par three. I loved, you know, a couple of the holes, the 50 yard wide fairway on 18 coming in doesn't seem too terribly penal to, you know, add to the stress of a U.S. Open. So it, I, I, I LA country club is an esteemed, uh, country club and it's it's got um such history and i'm glad that they had a chance to host it there but between that and the lack of the crowds it just kind of felt like there was maybe something missing i i mean i so being on the grounds i thought the, the course i think it's a great golf course i think i'm not one who's like like particularly worried about score and i think you know especially with so many players in the field having to get those, some of those players through and like playing some of the long par threes a little shorter and all of those kind of like different elements that they had from Thursday, obviously till they like basically just like r- slowly ramp the temperature up. Right. It's like, it's like, what did they say? The, the frog in the boiling water. You don't realize it's, it's hot until it's too late. Yep. And, uh, but to your point, I was like, I was at home watching on TV on Sunday and when Wyndham hit that drive, and all you saw was the shot tracer. All I think was, Oh my gosh, that is so far. Right. Like it was like Phil, it was like the opposite of like Phil at with wing foot where he like yep. blew it where he left. Yep. I thought, Oh no, this isn't, this isn't good at all. Now he's been playing, relying on the shot all day, but like, I don't, I don't know where this is going to end up. And all of a sudden I see it in the fairway and I was like, I can't believe it. Like obviously he must've started further left than I thought he did, but still like for having to, to stay in the fairway, I was kind of shocked. I mean, he still hit some great shots to get up there, but it was kind of one of the things I was like, Oh man, did, did it need to be that wide? And I understand the architecture side of it. Um, as a, as a whole, like I do, under, like I understand what the point of it is because you get if you're in that spot, like it takes a hell of a shot to even like get it close to the green, and then to two putt from there was was a was a pretty good accomplishment. I think I always think I think it's fascinating when you look at that that graphic that they offer. They don't in, within like a certain area of the green, they'll say like two putt percentage or like make right. percentage, and then right. after they get outside of a certain distance, they'll be like three putt percentage. And I was yeah. like, oh no, they just they did like the announcer curse on this thing, right? Yeah. Um, but for him to be able to do that, I thought was um was pretty fast, like pretty cool. I, I mean, he did he did win. He played played uh, played very very well. But I think the talk of which I mean from from Twitter and everything, I thought it was very funny. They couldn't stop talking about him and Ricky using the same putter and the idea that the only reason he had that putter was because he saw Ricky in a, in a, like a, you know, off just like hanging around a club game. Ricky was putting lights out and he decided that I should really try this. And like, how often do we see this in golf where it's not that you go on to win the U S open <laughs> necessarily, but someone just picks up a golf club and goes, Hey, how, what are you hitting over there? That looks pretty good. And then, Next thing you know, it's in the bag. And in Wyndham's case, it was working very well. Well, I think it 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 re- really kind of defines the razor's edge nature of this sport in that the differences between a top 10 and a top 20 can be one or two strokes. And, you know, you're talking four days. And these guys... I think they're all superstitious. I think they all have a little bit of sorcery they, they believe in. And when they see someone that's hot, and I've overheard these conversations all the time, 
they're a little bit like lemmings and they go, Hey, what, you know, give me some of that magic. I want some of that, you know, I need that for my mojo. And it's, um, it's really fascinating for me because from a data standpoint and an analytical standpoint, yeah. You know, it, 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 you know, it's one thing if the guy's spinning at 2,800 RPM and he hands him a driver and suddenly he's spinning at 2,200 and he's hitting the ball seven, eight yards further. And that's exactly what he needed to get his distances right. Yeah. Then you kind of get it, but a putter hot. I mean, these are all such subjective things, but it shows you, and we've talked about it on the pod in the past, that so much of the game is between the ears. And it's it's when you feel confident standing over that putt and rolling those putts. And if that implement gives it to you, now trust me, fast forward a year or two, that putter might be a memory in both of their bags, you know? And, and that's just the nature of the sport and the nature, you know, it's always blame the equipment, not the uh not the golfer and it's it's the beauty and madness of this game but the fact that you when you get stars aligned and you get two guys that are leading on the top of the u.s open that are playing the same product because one was inspired by the other it is a pretty cool story yeah the other thing too is like um so chris chris koski works for um works for skytrack now um I was talking, I've, like, I've talked to him for, for years now. He used to work for Odyssey and we used to work for Callaway. Um, it's on his LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, but he was part of the team when the, when the original Versa came out. And so I asked, he kind of posted something funny about it. He goes, oh, you know, this was a, this was a drawing on a napkin somewhere, hypothetically speaking. And, and him and Ossie Rollins were like sitting around and they're like, okay, well, let's, you know, they, they did a lot of, and we talked about this with, with putters and alignment on golf balls. Cause we've seen it on picks and Callaway. And uh, I mean, Strixon has the divide, which is basically like a golf ball. It's literally two colors, like the old ping balls were. Um, so you have all of these like little factors coming together. And the way that they, they drew it up was, well, if we do like um, back and forth, like black and white, black and white, it creates this very high contrast. And something that eyes are very good at doing is drawing parallel lines or comparing parallel lines. It's a it's a fascinating thing of the of the human brain and how the human brain works. And so, I know myself like they've done it with the new Versa where they have lines that are are uh, long and parallel to the to the putting line, and then there are ones that are uh, perpendicular. I I personally like I use perpendicular lines. I line up the top of my putter face. So maybe I should try a Versa, but. Although I'm currently trying a, a long putter, but that's a whole other story. That's a that's a big, big can of worms you don't need to get into right now. But the idea of how that works, and he's like, you know, it caught on pretty good, but the jailbird was never like a huge, huge thing on tour. And then I think it was yesterday, he actually shared the picture of this, like a Callaway uh, header and footer little notepad with the drawing and they dated it. And then they, you know, that became the putter that went into production. And they're like, why did, like, why did the, like, what, I can't remember. It was like, they named it. It's like, what does it look like? They were talking to each other. Like, what does it look like? And they're like, well, I mean, it looks like, like bars on a prison. It looks like jailbird. And that's where the name came from. <laughs> and like, you know, mm. some products are, are devised by like these huge amounts, especially putters too, like kind of go crazy. Like Carson's original answer design was on a record sleeve. He had this idea and he threw it on a record sleeve and that's where it came from. And to think that, you know, another putter that went on to win the U.S. Open, which is very, very different looking from the answer, came from, you know, what can we do to make this mallet easier to align? I think it's I think it's pretty cool. And 
the other part of this too is is the long grip. And I did check Superstrokes uh, website on on Sunday. They were completely sold out of these 3.0 17-inch grips. And I don't think you're going to find them anywhere soon. They replied to my tweet and they said, we're trying to get them as fast as we can. But I can imagine come like Thursday afternoon when uh, when Rory came, or not Rory, sorry, when Ricky came in with a 62, uh, you weren't going to find those grips anywhere in any pro shop anywhere soon. Yeah, no, no. And, you know, I... I uh I I kind of find it cool because it's a little bit of a throwback to you know when I started in this industry, whoever won on Sunday, those clubs were sold out on Monday. I mean it was, you know, there was like you talk about total lemmings. Everybody went out, and when Jumbo almost won the Masters, he had this Bridgestone driver that was like six degrees, and he the thing got sold out and um and then all of them got returned within about a month or so they're like they were the number one selling driver and they all got returned and i had the president of bridgestone golf japan come out um they didn't have a robot at the time i was just getting started and they wanted to see why this club was not you know performing and we put it on, and I kid you not, we didn't get it five feet off the ground. I mean, it just it just hit this dead, you know, uh, just worm burner shot, and uh, and I was like, yeah, you might want to add a little bit of loft to it. But to show you how far we've come in the industry, you know, they just assumed, oh, you know, it's jumbo's clubs, so it's six degrees, so everybody will be able to hit a six degree lofted driver. That wasn't the case. So anyways, it was kind of cool to see, you know, that uh, people were kind of rushing in. And once again, it's a little bit of sorcery. They're just, they're trying to get a little bit of that magic, you know, and um, I, I, it goes against everything that I do for a living, but I do enjoy <laughs> it because it's just, it's cool. It, it, it just shows you how hard this game is and any edge will be, uh, you know, appreciate it i i'll tell you this funny story so uh back when i worked at a, at a big box golf store and bubba watson won his first it was his first masters first or second but anyways he had he obviously like but everyone knows bubba plays ping golf clubs he's got the big grips he's got the pink driver like it's always always played ping golf clubs basically going back to college and but on the side of his hat when he won it said Shuko, which I believe is like a German company. I think they were on the side of Keimer's hat as well. And Monday morning after Bubba won the Masters, this guy walks into the store. I was like, first, I was like kind of the first shift of the morning. And we just had like our, our Monday morning little meetup thing after the weekend and, and recapping everything. And this guy walks in, he's looking around, he goes, I'm looking for, I saw Bubba, like, I, I really, I really want to see these Shuko clubs. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, no, I saw it on his hat. I said, but yeah, but the front of his hat says ping. Like he's a, he's a ping guy. Like there's, that's not a golf club. That's like an energy or some, that's some company that does a bunch of things that I have no idea what they do, but they sponsor golfers and it's on the side of their hat. He's like, no, no, no. But it was on the hat. Like that's his golf clubs. And I'm like, no, it's, I promise you, you can walk around this entire golf store. You can Google it. They do not make golf clubs. And he was like, Okay, well, what clubs did he use? I see he used ping golf clubs. Would you like to see some of those? And he kind of like begrudging. And again, he didn't believe me. I was like, you know, much younger than him. And he probably just was like, who's this kid? Like, you know, giving me BS. 
And so I showed him like the pin clips, right? He kind of like wandered around the store for a little bit and then like shuffled his way out. And all I could think of was, you know, if you ever wondered if advertising worked, let me tell you, it worked for that guy because all he could think of was whatever was on the hat was the club he was using. And he was going to come in that day and like at least see it. He wasn't going to necessarily buy it, but he was going to see it, which I thought was really funny. Now, I don't encourage everyone to go out and like try playing with Bubba's clubs. They are a crazy unique spec. But I think to your point, like, Putters are the one thing where you can you can find something, even if it doesn't necessarily fit your stroke that well. But if you find some confidence in it and you find a feel, and whether it be the length, the lie, the loft, the grip size, you know, the head shape, the alignment, if you find that little thing that you can just grab a hold of, people are going to get onto the greens. And it's like, let's be honest, most regular golfers and I, myself included, suck at putting. So if you drain a couple more five-footers and turn that 89 to an 86, Holy crap, that is the greatest putter ever made. It doesn't matter if it fits and it just works. And I think that that is one of the, the to your point, I think it's especially too when, when you see that your buddy playing with something. I used to think that all the time. And I, I tell people all the time, like you never fit a golfer for, like, yes, you fit a golfer for the club they're getting. But in reality, like you could be fitting their three other friends because generally people play in like the same demographic and the same skill set. And if one guy gets a driver and starts hitting it 15 yards further, I'll be really honestly, it's pretty likely you're going to see one of his buddies come in for a fitting pretty quickly. Well, the, the, the one that always intrigues me is not so much the newness of a club. It's why does a club go bad? Why does your putter all of a sudden stop working? <laughs> it's expiry right? date. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're not wearing the grooves out. The shaft's not, you know, internally delaminating. You know, it, unless you wrapped it around a tree and bent it, it's like, what? What exactly did this magical, you know, piece of equipment do to lose its mojo or its magic? And that's the part. And it's the same thing for tour players. You know, they win tournaments, and then. Six months later, they're not putting well. You know, Scotty Scheffler, I mean, whatever putter he won with the Masters, I'm sure he's thrown that out and maybe gone back to it two or three times. You know, and it's it, 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 that's the part that's just fascinating to me is that chasing and that, like, trying to find that again because that's not really quantifiable. That is all between the ears. It's all know? right here. Yeah. So I can, I, I can – I can think of like, uh, to your point, like people are like, uh, you know, this, this ball isn't working right, right now. Like I'm going to go grab a different golf ball. I'm like, it's not the golf ball. The golf ball is not helping, helping you make bogeys right now. I'll tell you that right now. The golf is yeah. an inanimate object. It's just reacting to what's happening. So, you know, maybe we should take that with a little bit of a, a grain of salt. Um, now, one thing that I think is actually really cool. Another part of his bag uh, is his, his fairway wood. And I think, so unfortunately, Chris is on it. Chris is actually helping golfers find better fairways right now <laughs> in a fitting base somewhere. But the idea of his fairway build is really unique. Now, if you are curious for the for those who are listening, you can go to uh, Tour Validated, which is uh, a brand that uh, you know is is with TrueSpec, and they actually went through Wyndham's clubs about two months ago. He hasn't changed anything since then, and he goes into some pretty cool detail about his fairway, about his driver, about the putter. He tells a little story about how. Uh, how the putter actually came to be from, you know, seeing Ricky putt well with it. So you can check that out on, on YouTube. You type in Wyndham Clark's golf clubs, you'll find it under tour validated. It's a, it's a, I think it's like six, seven minutes. It's a really cool video. So if you're looking to dive into that, or if you're looking, you can go to golf.com. I did embed the video in his, um, in his winner's bag. So you can check that out there as well, but his fairy wood. And he, he says it in the video is like, it's a three wood. No, it's a three HL. 
not a not a traditional 15 degree lofted three wood, but it's it's a it's a 16 and a half degree, or he called it 17 degree. But they bent it open and de-lofted it so it has at square it has 15 degrees of loft, but it's it's around I think 42 to 41 and a half to 42 inches long. And I think the thing that makes which he made a really good point about, which I think really applies to faster players, is modern day fairy woods are so hot that if I have it built to like a standard spec or an off the rack spec it's going to go almost as far as my driver where in reality, what I actually need is a golf club that goes higher, spins more and I can stop on greens. And when I really need to, I can, I can get a lot more out of it, but it's too, it's, it kind of goes back to that old conversation. You know, that we've had a number of times where, you know, at a certain, at a, for slower swing speeds, a three wood can actually go longer than their driver because of the loft on it. And then for faster players who hit it right and kind of hit up and deal off the golf club, they can hit their three wood as far as their driver. And I think it's important to look at loft as well as a component of length when players are looking to find that gap in the higher end of their bag. Oh, totally agree. And it, you know, I've often said, especially in the three wood, and I think you summed it up, what's your goal with the three wood? And, you know, we, um, we've been discussing this, I mean, there's all these, I don't want to call them Frankenstein clubs, but really kind of interesting entries like the, uh, you know, the uh, burner uh, mini, you know, and, yeah. and, and we're talking about, and they're just, they're these clubs that are kind of, they're not a driver, but, you know, they're not a hybrid and they can be anything in between. And what's amazing is how these guys tweak these clubs for their ball flight and for their objectives to your point. And I've often said, you know, is your three wood a club? And for most of us, most amateurs, a three wood is either a narrow par four or we're trying to get home in two and we're trying to run it up. That's that's the goal. We're not hitting over a lake and landing on a green, you know, because we're gonna lay up then. We're we're <laughs> we're trying to run the ball up as as far as we can and do that. That's a different mindset for tour players. Tour players are 270, 280 yards out, and they are trying to land the ball softly, maybe with a little bit of run and have a birdie putt. And it's just a totally different um, mentality. And because of that, and because of how they strike, whether they dig, whether they pick, whether they hit a high ball, low ball, et cetera, um, they have all of these different uh, tools available. What's interesting about Wyndham's setup, like you said, is he took a traditional setup and then tweaked it instead of looking at a different club. So for whatever reason, he likes the look of that fairway wood. That fairway wood gets him confidence. He just needs that a little bit more open so it hits the ball a little bit higher and lands a little bit more softly. Yeah, and it, it, you know, I think the other part of this as well, and I did mention in the piece when I talked about this fairway wood, again, golf.com, check it out there. Um, people, the first reaction from a lot of people when when they hear this kind of stuff is like, oh, I can't bend my three wood. I can't go to a tour van and have them do this, or I can't have them do that. But the thing that we mentioned a lot is the, there is a wrench that comes with your golf club and you can adjust it. So yes, you cannot go out and get a stealth two fairy wood 3HL and have it bent open and, and have the loft, like have the loft taken off of it and make sure you get some hot melt in there to, to counteract the fact that he's probably playing a little bit shorter and he has a, a grip on it, a, like a larger grip as well, which is interesting. But what you can do 
is you could get something like the Stealth 2 Plus. It has an adjustable hosel. It has an adjustable weight on the sole, which if you are custom ordering, I believe there is the option to go a little bit heavier, a little bit lighter. So you can build yourself that perfect forward. You can build yourself that higher lofted five wood. All of those options are built into a lot of different golf clubs. So you have to look at these options from the consumer perspective, even something like, like the, the G430 and they just launched the LST now. So that's available to the, to the public. Now you can't adjust that 80 gram plug on the sole, but you can adjust that back weight to get it where you need to be. You can use the adjustable hosel. And so as much as people are looking at these golf clubs thinking, you know, well, I can't get it just like that tour player. Well, first of all, you know, like you said, you're not going to get a NASCAR when you buy yourself a, a new Ford, but you can go out and you can get all of these, these tools that are built into golf clubs right off the rack or custom ordered that are going to get you everything you need out of that golf club without, you know, having to go to a tour van, talk to those guys and have them work on your golf clubs for two hours. You can figure that out with a club fitter and go in and say, this is what I want. This is what I need. And it's going to work just as well because it is it's tailored for you it's not you're not buying you don't need to buy Wyndham's club you need to buy the club that's going to work for you and I think that is the most important thing because as we've proven when we've done I mean we did a video uh, a few months ago in Scottsdale like that club that wrench in the bottom of your bag makes such a difference for how that golf club is going to perform you can you can gain distance you can you can take distance off if you want to and it's all right there it's just a wrench just follow the instructions to use the wrench and you're going to find so much more benefit than just saying like, oh, it's not working for me. Well, and so I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Well, you already uh, teased it now, Gene. Now you have to. <laughs> I honestly believe that the equipment manufacturers, not all of them, but some of them, make it especially difficult and intimidating so that uh, that you only have you know uh, a PGA Pro or a fitter use it. I mean, cause sometimes I get confused by these books, but what, what I would recommend to all golfers is just have a little bit of patience. And if you have any questions, call customer service and say, what does this mean? What is this plus one, a two D three, you know, whatever, but it, do a little bit of work and investigation um, regardless of the driver that you have, if it has adjustability. Now, some of them are more simple than others, but when you get into these two collar systems, you can do some really wild things where you change lie angle and loft angle independently. And um, uh, it can get a little complicated, but with a little bit of work, you'll find out that you have eight different drivers in that one club. And that's just amazing because if you're struggling with the slice one day on the range, set it in this position and it's going to give you a little bit of help and vice versa. If you're, you know, struggling with the hook, you can open up that pace. And so it's, it's just don't be intimidated by it. And also don't be intimidated by sometimes how complex the guidebook may look for some of these manufacturers, just do a little bit of research. You can figure it out. And once you figure it out, it's like, Oh, this setting is the highest lop. This setting is the lowest lop. This setting opens up the club face the most. This setting closes it down. And then you can quickly understand what's, uh, you know, what are all the options? Um, but yeah, use the wrench to your point, RB and use the wrench. <laughs> you'll be good. They give it to you. I mean, they, they put it in yeah. the thing. And I think yeah. the one, I get questions about it all the time, but like, if you have if you have a phone or computer, which um, if you're listening to this, you probably have some sort of electron, electronic device that allows you access to the internet. Let's, put it, let's make it as simple as that. Um, you type in your golf club 
or the brand and you type in adjustable sleeve like chart or adjustable sleeve diagram, you will have it pop up like that. I, I almost guarantee promise you that it's going to have that on there because I have people reach out all the time. The most confusing ones oftentimes are the dual cog ones, which you mentioned, Gene, are like the, the Callaway yep. and the Titleist one. And it's yep. like, look, just go look it up. I'm telling you right now, you're going to, you're going to find a huge benefit. Um, now the other part too, you know, because he does play his club shorter, I'm sure at some point uh, Wyndham had his, his three wood hot melted. And the other reason too, is because his, his club is actually, um, it needs to have that extra headweight because he uses a mid-size grip. And you know what that mid-size grip is, Gene? What do you think that mid-size grip is? It's a golf pride. Not only was was a golf pride grip on uh, the winner of this year's U.S. Open, uh, which also happened to be the the same grip that uh, another uh, player used uh, at the PGA when he won as well. But 92% of this year's field at the U.S. Open played a golf pride grip. And Golf Ride has been used by the last three winners of the U.S. Open. Now, look, if you're someone like the U.S. Open winner or the PGA winner and you're looking for the maximum traction, you can find that in the Golf Ride Tour Velvet Cord or the BCT Cord. Uh, sorry. Or you can find something like the Z-Grip or Z-Grip, if you're Canadian, like you said sometimes. Uh, or you'll find something like the MCC, which offers hybrid technology. So you get cord in the top hand and you get a softer grip in softer material in the lower hand for your non-gloved hand, because that way, you know, you're not going to get the absolute rough texture on your hand that you're not wearing a glove unless you're MRI and then you wear two gloves. Uh, that, that's not in the ad read. I'm completely editorializing that part. Uh, but when you do have the right grips that fit you, fit for size, fit for texture, fit for comfort and all those different things, you have the ability to not only gain yardage, but grip your golf club more comfortably, which means you can practice longer hopefully play a little better as well and if you are looking for comfort there's also options like the cp2 and the cpx which use a softer material and different textures on the surface to help create something that is going to not only reduce vibration because of the material but also help you grip the golf club and get more traction without gripping it as hard which i think is really important now if you want to try any of these grips out you can go to golfpride.com that is g-o-l-f-p-r-i-d-e.com and if you use the code fully equipped, that is F U L L Y E Q U I P P E D. I like to spell it out, even though, you know, everyone's got spell correct on their computer or tablet or whatever. Um, and you will get free shipping on your next order. There is no minimum purchase required. This is available for all orders in the United States. And so if you're either going to buy a full set for your clubs or you're just going to try a couple different options, whether it be something that's really soft or something that's a little firmer, you can find those options at golfbride.com. And remember, use the code fully equipped for free shipping on your next order. You know, um, I need to talk to our producer coach and find out if there's a nomination for the best podcast sponsor segue, because if there is, you are definitely going to be nominated. So you're a pro man. Well done. It's, not, well it's, done. it's, it's certainly not something that I practice. I'll be, I'll be very <laughs> honest. I, uh, maybe it's when I was, when my going back to my days in, in, in high school, I used to do the old, uh, the, the announcements in the morning with my friends used to mess around and make all kinds of silly, like inside gaggy jokes on the announcements that most people really didn't understand. Um, so maybe, maybe that's where that really comes from. But, uh, you know, we like to have a little bit of fun. You're natural. All right. Um, now another thing too, which I think is interesting for this week, because it is the travelers. Um, we can talk a little bit about, I think new gear. I don't know if you, I don't, I don't know how much you've seen this, but we can, we, I think it's important to kind of touch on these things anyways, Gene, uh, even if you haven't like quite seen them yet, cause I know they're just sneaking out online. Uh, but this is that time of year. And we saw it even a couple weeks ago at the Memorial where new Titleist irons were, were released to the, to the, to the tour players. 
And we're starting to see some seeding to certain, let's call them influencers or high-level golfers uh, on PJ Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, and, and so on and so forth. But we're, we're getting to that point where the things that we're seeing now are coming out either at the end of this year or next year. And it's kind of like car models, you know, like it's summer now, but you're going to start seeing the ads for the 2024, whatever Lexus something car. Uh, and so there's always this like weird overlap of, of dates and stuff, but right now at the, so last week we saw new potters from TaylorMade, which is the reserve line. The only reason I know that is because it was written on the bottom of the golf club. Um, but also this week at the Travelers, they have new Callaway irons. There looks to be a, a CB and a blade that I've seen online. Uh, and they are named the Apex, which I think is a highly anticipated line from them that people have really been asking about because they've they stuck to the, the current one for almost three years, which I think is really interesting. And then also another one that just came in, and I believe someone had one at the US Open last week. I did not see it. Uh, I heard that it might have been in someone's bag, but it was like trying to find a needle in the haystack was the TaylorMade MG4. So a lot of these a lot of these wedges, a lot of not just wedges, but a lot of these clubs come out this time of year, but Gene, I want your experience here cuz look, you can go online, you can try you can find some of these pictures. We'll, we'll have some more uh, we'll have some some more written content about it uh, on golf.com uh, later in the week. But the things that, that the, even the consumers or players are seeing now kind of in their finished form, how long ago are they testing these things? Are they are companies kind of putting this in? Because from what I've always understood, it's like many, many years out, right? Like what you're seeing now is not something like those Google glasses that everyone's talking about a few weeks ago. They didn't just put those together last week. Like they've had those in an office in a lab somewhere for probably a couple of years trying to like basically iron out all the kinks, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny because um when I started in this business the first 10 or 15 years. We would be testing prototypes sometimes uh, up until a week or two before the PGA show, before they were launched, and and then they would try to like clean it up in the next month or two, and then just rush product for you know a March uh, delivery. Now the industry is so mature; it's so much larger. The general rule of thumb that I hear is a year. Everything has to be locked down a year, but now it may not be exactly a year from the point that they are um, introducing it to the tour. So they may have, you know, a few more months until they start ramping up production. But, um, uh, you know, it's in the, the challenge with it is they've got to be really confident in what they're selling now, because that year you know, you know, let's just say, for example, when TaylorMade came out with the all carbon and it's been successful. I don't know if it's necessarily been a home run, but it's been successful. But when TaylorMade came out with the weighted system, for example, that destroyed Callaway for four or five years because, number one, they didn't want to chase it. And then everybody started chasing, you know, adjustable weights. But number two, they had all these products in the pipeline that they couldn't pivot. They were a battleship and they couldn't turn. And so it's uh, it's a very mature industry now. And to your point, the clubs that we're seeing now probably, you know, there's uh, – um, and we know some of these people advanced research 
uh, people in these companies, they're studying stuff two, three, four years out. And then at some point or another, someone says, yes, let's go in that direction. That ball starts rolling about two years out. Start looking at, you know, developing prototypes, seeing and then when you come up on that year mark, it's okay. We've got to place the orders. Now we've got to be ready to go. So um, it's it's become a longer process, and it's also become a process in, in which some of these manufacturers can be more vulnerable if there's a sharp sea change. You know, in tech, like AI, for example, uh, you know, Google kind of got caught, you know, um, little bit with their pants down when AI came back out what do they do they threw a thousand engineers to start coding you know to, to do that you can't do that in golf it, you know these are hard goods these are things that are already set and so um you re really have to have confidence in um you know your products because if you don't it, it could be a rough season or two yeah I know I can think of the you know to your point there's always that one thing, especially I think around that like early 2000s, which I always kind of joke with people. And I think people of my age, I'm, a, I'm very much right in the, the core of the millennial group where golf products were changing so fast. Like when I was a kid, like a 300cc driver was huge. And then a 400cc driver was really big. And then a 460 driver was considered enormous at the time. And as technology kind of evolved, you would see like one company go in one direction and another go in another direction and they wouldn't change. Like they wouldn't kind of come back to each other, which I think is fascinating. And now they almost kind of ebb and flow. And I don't know if it's because their company is so much larger or if it's just the way that they have the ability to pivot on product. Like one of the old stories that I remember is when TaylorMade launched the R11 and it was white. The whole goal was that you could see it on television. That was really the main point of that whole experiment. Because, um, I mean, paint does, I mean, yes, it maybe helps a little bit with alignment and other things like that. But the goal is like, you know, you paint, uh, Ferrari red is Ferrari red for a reason because you know it's a Ferrari when it goes by. And so with a white driver, everyone, as soon as the white driver came out, everyone was like, oh, is that a tailor-made? Because it's, it's a white driver. Even though there there were history, like periods of time where there was like the occasional white driver that would kind of come up. I think Daly or someone played one for a while or whatever. But they apparently, if pre-sale did not go the way they expected, which it absolutely blew everything out of the water, um, they had a contingency plan that every driver after like three months was going to be black again. Like they were ready. They basically, I guess, I don't know, from what I understand, they had like heads that were unpainted that were ready to go. And however those pre-sales went, they were either going to end up white or they were going to end up black. But it also gave them the opportunity to say further down the line, hey, you don't like the white ones? Well, guess what? We got a special edition black one. It's like special edition. That was the same. That was that was last year's normal, right? So um, I think, you know, to the point of like the new Cali stuff, what we're seeing now, because it is out on tour, similar to Titleist, uh, we saw a couple weeks ago, we are seeing finalized product. And the most fascinating thing, which I think, you know, going back to even like the Callaway now, because I know I've messaged some of the engineers who are who are there, the travelers are getting feedback from players. They're, like, they're, they're going through this process of really, truly introducing a lot of these products to players for the first time because they do have larger staffs is they're not collecting data and feedback for this product. They're already collecting feedback from players on the next product. Like, what do you like? What do you not like? What do you think about this? What do you think about this transition? What do you think about all these like different little elements? 
And I think that to me is probably most fascinating. And I've seen it from other companies as well. I can be, remember being at Riviera and a company had just launched a brand new wedge and they're out there with what looked like the same wedge and they, the shafts all had different color tape on them below the grip. And I walked up to the rep and I'm not gonna say who it was. And I was like, um, so you, is, it, is this the new wedge? Are you like fitting them into like the new wedges, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, no, no. These are like, um, we've already got them into the new wedges. This is actually, we're kind of working on some things for, for like the next one. We're kind of tweaking some stuff. And I'm like, you guys never stop. Like it just, it truly does never stop. It's like the goal of always trying to innovate. And I think uh, for golfers, I mean, the payoff is we get better equipment all the time. Like how much, think about it, how much better is a modern day three wood now versus something that is from like even 10 years ago. It's one of the things we want to test, but I know we want to get some of the, I got a 400 CC driver from 20 years ago. I'd love to get onto the robot. I really want it back though, Gene. That's the thing. I don't want to send it if you're going to keep it. I won't keep it. I'm I'm not a sentimentalist when it comes to golf equipment. I told you that. I'm uh no, it, it's it's interesting and, and and what's even more interesting is the profile of the player that's willing to do that. They'll all test, right? But some of them I don't I think are more open to testing than others because when you're testing, that's time you're taking away from working on your own game and and your own, you know, the the key to being a great golfer is to be so in tune with your equipment. And when you're tinkering with other things, it, you know, your brain just suddenly you start adjusting, you start doing these things. And so it takes the, uh, and I think these reps really look for the players that are number one open, number two curious. And number three, and this is the most important part, able to give good feedback because a lot of these guys are see ball, hit ball, you know, and, 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 and you're, you're relying on, you know, uh, launch data and things like that. And half the time they adjust their shot to make it the exact same as the others. So it, it, I, I tip my hat to those guys because it's a, it's a challenging process what they go through to really kind of define uh you know what the performance gain is of one product versus another i i'll tell the story and i'm going to leave the oem the player and the rep out of it but we'll just leave it as a generalization because i think it's very funny and it kind of touches to that point um so i was talking to this rep and we were talking about a, a player that is less inclined to change products and um i said like i noticed this player is using this driver and I noticed that the, you have a new driver out. It's been out for a little bit now. And you have most players into the new product. Like, is there, is there a particular reason why this player has switched? Are they just comfortable with the look? Are they comfortable with the performance? Like, what is it? And he looked at me and he goes, honestly, man, sometimes. And I, they're, fr like, they're friends. Like, this is, it's like they're, they're, not, they're trying to help each other, right? They see each other all the time, right? Because um, sometimes he's like the biggest pain in my butt. So we'll get him out there. I'll take the, I'll take the shaft from his current driver. I'll put it and this, trust me, I'll tell you right now, this is not like, this is not a, a one-off conversation. All right. <laughs> they'll say, they'll talk to me like, you know, I'll get him a different head. We'll get him the new driver. We'll get it dialed in. We'll do everything. We'll get the head weight, all this stuff. We will see better performance out of this driver by like a couple of yards or a little bit of ball speed or something. And uh, the player will return and go, it just doesn't, yeah, I, I can't, I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out. I just, because I just like my other one better. And it's like, I'm getting to your point, Gene, the data is right there. Like it's a better performing product, but the player's yeah. like, yeah, but like, you know, if, and, and I think, and to be honest, and I think this is actually really important. I, I kind of, I'm not picking on that player. I'm not picking on anybody there. 
But this is where when, when golfers are testing product and when you're in a fit and you're like, well, these two clubs are very, very similar. Might, might, one, one might be like, you know, one might be perfectly fit at 100% and one might be, you know, at 98%. Let's say you can tell the difference. If 98%, if the 98% golf club looks better and feels better to you, go with that one. Because I'm telling you right now, if you go with the 100% one and you always think to yourself, I'm not really sure, I maybe I should have gotten the other one, you will never feel confident in those golf clubs. And I think that's such an important element that we cannot quantify that a robot can't. I'm, I'm no. sure. I'm sure you'd love to have it tell you this thing. It, I, I the robot's wish never going to turn to you and say, "Hey, yo, Gene, like I don't really like this one. It doesn't feel as good, man." I, I wish I could, and it's 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 this X factor that's so you know, it makes tour reps nuts. It makes companies nuts. It makes everybody nuts. I mean, you know, um, I, I golf's a weird game. You know, back to the original comments about the putters. It's you know when you get your mojo, when you get a little bit of that sorcery, you want to hold on to it because you're afraid you're going to lose it, and everybody is searching for it. Um, so much of life and so much of golf is an attempt to quantify, and that's what we're trying to do with all this data and analysis. And I think that we've improved products we've improved recommendations we've improved fittings by light years but at the same time i can show you two clubs that perform almost identically but they have different looks to them or you know slightly different bend points on their shafts and you'll swear one's better than the other even though we look at it. and here's the other crazy thing to your point we see it in player testing as well that um you know two clubs will perform exactly the same maybe one performs a little bit better and the player will choose the one that didn't perform as well and they just and they'll give you some intangible answer that just you just kind of walk away shaking your head you know going wow that's confusing <laughs> well i've got uh to bring i bring back to putters like i've as i said off the top i've, I've been messing around with a with a long putter don't worry i don't anchor it um hold it out there and i kind of get the swing going on with it and it's, it was funny. Cause like, I would say that the most confident I am is on like the mid to like longer range putts. I feel like it's, it's um, almost like lawn bowling in that like sense in my head. Like I feel like because I'm standing up, I feel like I see the line and I kind of get this feel towards the hole, but I, I'd be, I'll be very honest. Like the five, the five to three footers right now feel like harder to line up. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because my posture, but like there's something intangible that I can't figure out where for one thing I feel so confident and on the other part of the thing, I'm still trying to like get that understanding. And I think it's, it's that part that we can't not, we can't express, but that's why it's important to go get fitting and try everything to have an open mind and to go through that process because we're not robots. We have to give feedback to golfers and, or sorry, we have to give feedback to fitters and we have to be able to like, you know, feel confident in what we have because I think, there is that element where if you're on the golf course and you are, you're standing over like Wyndham Clark standing over that, whatever shot on 14 or whatever it was that long iron or fairwood. And he hit it to like 20 feet from 280 yards with all these people watching, knowing the U S open is on the line. Like, trust me, he was very confident in swinging that golf club and it probably had nothing to do with the way it was fit. He's just looking at it going, man, I'm going to hit the hell out of this thing. Watch you know, he said, he said, watch me. And I think that's such a cool thing. Cause you know, in his head, like, no one's saying, I don't think this is going to work. It's like, no, no, watch this. I'm going to do something that like is going to win me this golf tournament. I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, hundred percent agree. Now, uh, you know, he was a classic example. Whether it was his putter, his irons, his driver got a little spooky at the end, but um, and that guy had so much confidence standing over each shot, and you kept waiting for the enormity of the moment to overwhelm him, and it didn't. And that was that was really impressive to watch. It's uh, it's the untan, it's the intangible that wins golf tournaments. Uh, Gene, let's, let's wrap it up there. Uh, this is, um, episode, I don't know what number it is actually. We'll call, we'll put it in the title, but, uh, we want to let you know, thank you for listening to fully equipped. Remember you can follow us along at, uh, fully equipped on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can always check out all of our, our, our stuff over at golf.com where, you know, we've got articles. We've talked about what we're doing right now. You can go check out that video of Wyndham Clark's bag in his winner's bag on golf.com, or you can find it on YouTube. And uh, as always, thanks everybody for listening.